But the whole goal of LinkedIn is it's a networking platform and they want people to engage in meaningful conversations. So if you're just out there posting, but you're not actually nurturing the relationships, LinkedIn is just going to see you as somebody that's just kind of like sales pitching all the time. No, Mm -hmm. they, they want to see you engaging in conversations. So there's actually people that have, have increased their following by not even posting, but just by commenting on other people's posts. You're listening to the Coach Up Podcast, where coaches come to learn how to build their coaching businesses to six figures and beyond. I'm Kanisha Hart, your host. Here on the podcast, I get the privilege of interviewing coaches who've already made six and seven figures in their coaching business and are willing to pull back the veil and share with you the strategies, the habits, the techniques, and the tools they use to build to that level so you can do the same. Whether you are a new coach just starting out or you've been in the business for a while, but you aren't seeing the growth and the revenue you desire, the Coach Up Podcast will give you insight on what you can do next and what you can do now to accelerate or revive growth in your business. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Coach Up Podcast. Let's go ahead and get into it. From postpartum depression to presenting on stages, consulting, and authoring and publishing her first book in just the last three years. Danielle Copo, who is my guest today on the Coach Hub podcast, has completely shattered expectations and glass ceilings around what you can do in your business if you truly put your mind to it. Three years ago, she didn't have a business. Now she has a six-figure-plus earning business. She is a published author. She is a speaker. She is a consultant. She is a coach. And she shares in today's episode how she did all of that as well as the secrets that she learned about LinkedIn that helped take her from a community of 2,000 to over 25,000 in just two years, and how that contributed heavily to the business that she has built over the last three years that is earning her well over six figures. You will want to hear every bit of this conversation. I will not prolong it further. Let's get into it. Danielle, I just want to say thank you for being here on the Coach Up podcast. I am super excited to talk with you because you have one of those, what some people will call overnight success stories, even though where you had to, what you had to go through to get there, no, I don't think a whole lot of people want to deal with. And so I'm very excited to talk about your story and then how you have built your amazing, amazing coaching business, but I will not be the one to spoil the teaser about who you are. I want you to introduce yourself, Danielle, tell people who you are, what you do and what you coach. And then we'll get a little bit more into your story. Well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And you say overnight success, but it does not feel overnight. (laughs) It feels like it's on a long journey. I first started my entrepreneurial journey when I was seven, actually. I would, during the holidays, I would go with my family up to the mountains. We would cut down mistletoe. We would bundle them up with a red ribbon and we would sell them outside the grocery store and we would help couples smooch during the holidays. That's how I started my journey in entrepreneurship, but I had no intention of starting a business after that. 
I <laughs> spent 15 years in corporate. I was very successful in corporate. I was in medical sales. I worked in the medical um, aesthetic industry. So I had this amazing job that I loved. I had no intentions of starting a business. But then life took an unexpected turn. And like many of us, the pandemic kind of shook things up for a lot of us. I, I mean, it was a time where as a series of events took place, it was first, my husband had just returned home from a year deployment in Iraq. And he returned home a couple months later after that. Um, I had lost my mom. My mom had passed. And then right as I'm planning her funeral a week, two weeks later, the world shuts down from the pandemic. And then it, and I, and then I was working for an organization that was going through an acquisition and it became a very, very toxic work environment. And it was a series of events that kind of put me in a position where I looked at myself in the mirror one day and said, what do I want out of my life? What is this what I want my life to be? Am I actually happy? And I wasn't. And that's what then inspired me to start a business, but it didn't happen overnight. It was a journey, but I'm sure we'll go into that. <laughs> that's kind of my background. Yeah. So now that you started a business, what is that business? So my business today is I work with predominantly through keynote speaking and through consulting. I work with people who want to develop the grit, resilience, and courage to thrive in a rapidly changing market. So the world is constantly in change. We, our lives are in change. And so how do we succeed through that change? And a lot of what I work with is individuals that are in the process of saying, well, I want to take that next step in my career, but how? And I don't even know what I want. So a lot of people are seeking clarity right now. And they're seeking clarity as to what they want their future to look like, but also how do they have that balance between juggling a a career or a business while also life? Yeah. You worked in medical sales, which I'm, anytime you hear sales, I always think it takes a lot of time out of your schedule. And so I'm assuming, but correct me if I'm wrong, that is where you pull your experience from of how to balance, how do you live life and still go all out in whatever it is that you're trying to achieve? Is that where that comes from? I think that sales taught me how to be resilient, to take a no and keep going. Mm -hmm. Sales taught me how to persevere through challenges. It taught me to stay focused on my goal. Where I learned to balance was actually my husband in 2019, he was served a year deployment in Iraq. And while he was in Iraq, our twin, our, our twin boys at the time were a year and a half years old. And I was leading a team for a fortune 500 company and I had five States. So I was doing overnight travel every single week by plane. Now I had, <clears throat> I had an amazing support system. I had a full-time nanny. I had my in-laws that lived across from me. They moved out from California to where we live now. Uh, I, it was all hands on deck with my support system and helping me out. But I would say that Going through that experience is what really is what 
providing me the tools to, to balance everything that I do now. My, my twins are turning six pretty soon. And I swear these two have, are basically like squirrels after a triple espresso when it comes to energy levels. <laughs> are they challenging you a bit, Danielle? I mean, just a little bit. We we tried really hard this past weekend to uh, exert some energy out of them. We took them to the pool. We took them to the beach. They had a bounce house with the slide. Nope. Yes. They still wake up ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I've got coffee in the morning and an energy drink at night. Oh my goodness. Don't we all miss that young energy? <laughs> Yeah, my husband says that if he ever starts a business, and I'll probably be spilling the beans on this, but if he starts a, a business, he'll start an energy drink and he'll call it toddler. Because don't we all need a little oh toddler my goodness. in our life? Right? <laughs> oh my goodness. It w- People would understand and they would yeah. say that will work. Yep. <laughs> okay, so you had a lot going on. But oftentimes people don't typically figure out how to balance from what you just described you deal with. Typically people burn out. So how did you pull out the actual lessons and the techniques from what you were dealing with that you can now actually teach and coach people today? A lot of the techniques that I learned that helped me thrive during that time were actually some of the lessons that I learned when I was overcoming postpartum depression. And at a time where it's exciting, you have kids, I had newborn, I had premature twins that were born six weeks early that were in the NICU. And as soon as they get out of the NICU, two weeks later, I'm rushed to the hospital because I'm in extreme stomach pain. And right as, and this is kind of like the snowball effect of what happened and and why it was so important for me to learn these tools of, of, of preventing and overcoming burnout was Right as I'm sitting in the hospital in the emergency room and the doctor looked at me and he said, you have gallstones and you need to get your gallbladder removed. Right when he says that, I look up at the TV and it says bright red letters, breaking news, category four hurricane, Hurricane Irma headed to Tampa. Wow. Yeah. Then right after that, within a few minutes, my husband calls me and says, because he hadn't been deployed yet. He says, I've just been activated to move helicopters. He's a Black Hawk pilot in the army. He says, I've just been activated to move helicopters to the Northeast away from the hurricane. So what's going on? Are you going to have surgery or not? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I looked at the doctor and I said, I can't have surgery right now. Uh, I need to go home and board up my house. And he said, well, it's not a matter of if you're going to pass gallstones again. It's a matter of when. So as soon as this hurricane passes, come back, you know, we'll do surgery. And I went back home, boarded up my house, lost power for four days, had one of my, my premature boys was on a heart monitor hooked up to a generator. So all of these events that took place in such a short amount of time then is what kind of initiated me well, it initiated postpartum depression, that's for sure. But it also initiated me to to do 16 weeks of cognitive behavioral therapy. It, I learned how to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And I think, and then also I learned breathing techniques to calm my anxiety. 
And, and those tools alone are some of the techniques that I still use today. So one of them might be this, this mindset that we have that asking for help is a burden onto others, or it's a sign of weakness. But when studies show that when we help others, like when we actually help others, uh, it releases dopamine in the brain, which is a hormone related to happiness. We get fulfillment and joy and connection by helping others. So when we don't ask for help, we're stripping somebody of the opportunity to experience joy, fulfillment, and connection versus thinking of ourselves as, as being a burden. Why don't we look at asking for help as an opportunity for someone to experience happiness and for us to build a deeper relationship with that person? That's a great perspective. Yeah. Because then it's other focused, even though we're needing the help, Mm -hmm. there's a perspective that is other focused. And so often when we're not focused on ourselves and we're focused on others, life is always so much better and so much easier. I have to say, Danielle, though, I am curious, how did you go through four days no electricity, a child on a heart monitor hooked up to a generator that who knows how long that's going to last. So the life of your child is mm-hmm. hanging attached to this generator. I, I would say it's hanging in the hands of Christ in yes. the earth realm. It is hanging in the generator and you are, I'm sure, still in some kind of pain. Oh, yeah. You are in need of God. I do not understand, which is why you probably coach on grit. I do not understand how you kept going. What kept you going? So in those, I think if if I reflect back on my life and I think about what keeps me going in all the challenges that I've been through, whether it's been my childhood, whether it's been through postpartum, my husband's deployment, starting a business is... Grit is when passion meets purpose, dedication meets action, dedication takes action. And when setbacks test us, grit is a refusal to keep, is a refusal to stop and to be in alignment with our vision. And so in that moment when my kids, you know, I've, I've, (laughs) the house is completely boarded up. We've got, we're cooking in the dark on a stove, just so you know, a stove does work The because it's gas. It's good yes. to know you can cook mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and we're laying on the couch stripped down to like just nothing because it's so sweltering hot. And I've got a washcloth between me and my babies while we're sleeping is to just cur- focus on the now mm-hmm. worrying about the past or staying in the past or worrying about the future does does not serve us. Focus on the moment, take it one day at a time, celebrate the little successes that you have that particular day. Hey, I may not have energy, but I'm really happy that I can use a stove and I can cook on a stove. I mean, there is these are still first world problems in yes. the grand scheme of themes, you know, yes. the grand scheme of life. So I, I would say focus on the now be in the present and constantly be in alignment with your vision and what you want. And at that moment, I wanted nothing more than to my babies to be safe. And I always tell them my role as their mom is to make sure they're safe and happy. Yeah. 
I am curious uh, really quickly about your twins. And so twin boys, oh my goodness, with, as we talked about, massive amounts of energy. <laughs> okay. Um, are they very similar? Do they like the same things? Are they total opposites? Are they best friends? Do they, can they not stand each other? How, how does that work? I would say that they are two different boys just happen to be born at the same time. <laughs> one of them is very, one of them, I would say this is the best way to describe them. So one of them will sit there for hours and build Legos and he'll, he, and, and to the point where I actually have him at video one night, waking up in the middle of the night and going into the living room and finishing his Legos because we had it, we told him he had to wait until the next day to finish it. So he woke up in the middle of the night and finished it. Okay. That's, yep. That's this one. My other one is he says, mommy, can, can I hide behind the curtain and will you announce me? I say, okay. So he hides behind the curtain and I say, ladies and gentlemen, starring Jameson Kobo in today's country line dancing. And he, he throws the curtain to the side and walks out and starts line dancing. They couldn't be polar opposite. Oh my goodness. That's amazing though, because that means you and your husband are going to have lots of fun with oh, both yeah. of them. Yeah. They are the best of friends, but they also, um, also argue all the time. So, I mean, but I don't blame them. And they spend every waking minute together. Mm -hmm. They spend more time together than my husband and I spend time together. We at least go to work. Right. They go to school together. Everything's together. They do it all. You, I just keep thinking as they get older and activities, like you all are going to be split. Like one's going to be going here. They will not be doing stuff together. No, no, they won't. Oh. They're doing stuff now, but they're, yes. they're starting to forge their own paths. I love it. I love it. And so grateful that both of them are thriving and well through the midst of all of that. So that was 2019. You still then had to go through husband deploying, unfortunately losing your mom, the change in the work environment. And so then you get to this point where you recognize, I am just not happy at all. And I'm, I am curious, had you moved through the postpartum depression mostly at that point or was it still lingering as well no so I had my boys in 2017 I was going through the postpartum pretty much I had them in July of 2017 so I would say for about six months I was going through the postpartum by the time my husband deployed in 2019 I had already worked through a lot of it but I also I also did the steps. I mean, I, and when I knew I had postpartum, I remember looking at my husband and saying, I want to, I want to go to sleep and not wake up. Mm -hmm. I didn't want, I didn't want to take my life. I wanted my life to be taken from me. Mm. And, and I have a, a degree in psychology. So I knew the signs. So I immediately took action and I said, I have postpartum did 16 weeks of cognitive behavioral therapy, joined a support group, did the activity, did the exercises, did the journaling. I did everything I could. Um, and, and also brought in help during the overnights, uh, tonight to help feed them. Cause they were take an hour and a half to feed one and then an hour and a half to feed the other. Oof, and then an hour gracious. break, try that around the clock. Then it sleep for six months. Right. So I brought in help. Yeah. Um, so I knew that's why I would say I was able to 
move overcome postpartum because I took, I immediately took action and took the steps to get past it. So by the time my husband was deployed, I took the tools that I learned going through postpartum and applied it for when he was gone. And then the combination of those two is what helped me apply the tools towards starting a business. Yeah. So what made you decide that you wanted to start a business around consulting, speaking, coaching? Well, remember, I didn't want to start a business. (laughs) I never wanted to. Um, Actually, it started with, I was in the process of self-discovery and trying to figure out really what I wanted and what made me happy and what I wanted this next phase of my life to be. I had spent so much time, I would say, trying to be the best manager, trying to be the best employee, trying to be the best wife, the best mom. And I took a step back and said, what do I want? And I started to develop my personal brand on LinkedIn. And I started to share inspirational quotes. And as I was sharing inspirational quotes, people would comment. And then I started to read the quote, the quotes. I'm like, well, this is, this is a good quote. It makes me feel better. I'll share it with somebody else. I'll help someone else feel better. And then it evolved into me sharing advice, career advice, sales advice, how to discover your purpose, all the, this, the exercises that I've gone through over the years. And I started to talk about burnout prevention because a lot of people were working remotely for the first time. And I had been doing that my whole career. So I started to share that. And as I was applying for jobs, I was working with a recruiter. Uh, a couple of things were happening. People were reaching out to me and saying, do you do career coaching? Mm. And I was like, sure, I'll career coach you. So I did. Uh, and and more and more people were saying, will you help me find a job? I know you've got experience as a hiring manager. Will you help me find a job? Will you teach me how to write a resume, how to do interviewing, how to build a LinkedIn profile? And then a recruiter and I were looking, we're, we're talking and we were talking about some people that I had helped that she had referred me. And she says, Danielle, I'd love to place you in this position. I think you'd be amazing for this director of sales position, but you need to start a business. Like, this is your calling. This is what you need to do. You, She's like, I can hear it in your voice. Every time you talk about a client who just got a job or a client who uh, I had clients that were earning President's Club top sales award for the first time. She's like, you just light up. This is what you need to do. And so I did. And it ended up being within two years, it's evolved a lot. So when I... I would say you're hearing a very condensed version. Yeah. <laughs> two years condensed in a very con- condensed version. But within two years of leaving corporate, I started a podcast. I've written a book. I uh, have built a very successful consulting business. I'm a keynote speaker. It's been an ever changing, evolving journey. Have you hit that subscribe button? If you have not subscribed to the Coach Up Podcast so that you get notified every single time a new episode drops, make sure you do that right now. And if you're enjoying this episode, leave a review. Your opinion, your thoughts help us to become better and to find the people that you want to hear from to help us talk about the topics that are important to you and to bring you the information you want. So be sure to subscribe, leave a review. Thanks for listening to the Coach Up Podcast. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people hear that and think you have twins, you have 
a husband who's in the military, which by the way, we appreciate his service. Mm -hmm. um, you have a, a business. That's a lot. <laughs> I mean, just period. And so, however, did you build a business with so many components to it mm -hmm. successfully in two years? And right, and to be on this platform, you've got to be mm -hmm. a six-figure plus coach. So mm -hmm. Danielle, what did you do? What was the activity that you oh. did? The details. So let's let's dig into the details a little oh. bit. I it's what I do is I look at where do I want the big vision to be? So to me, it's always about what do I want my legacy to be? What do I want my my impact to be? So at, at the end of the day, when some when I when I just when I pass, when it's my time and God says it's time to, to go up to be with me, what are people gonna say about me at my funeral or my celebration of life? That's what helps me keep an alignment with my purpose and my vision and my impact. And so I say, well, I want people to feel inspired, empowered. I want people to feel like they, that they have, that they know what their unique skill sets are and they're able to overcome any obstacles that come their way. So when I think about what's my big vision and what I want to do, and then I take it and I work it back and say, okay, well, what's going to help me get there? How, what are the different areas that's going to help me have the widest impact? So a book is going to be a resource that can have a very wide impact because people can, can read it anywhere. Then I look at speaking, being a keynote speaker, I can be on a stage and have a very big impact. Uh, consulting is more of that one-on-one, -on -one, the intimate impact. But all, all of them go down to that central theme. And then I look at what are my activities am I doing today that are going to help me achieve my goal tomorrow, three years, five years from now. So I have a whiteboard that sits above my desk and I always look at this and I look at, okay, well, what are the different, as I'm looking at this next year, what are the different projects that I'm working on? What are the different programs that I'm building, resources that I'm building, and I have them all written down. And then I prioritize which one comes first. So I look at uh, which activities are going to come first, because I believe in entrepreneurship, it's really easy to get caught up in the overwhelm because we want to do everything all the time. Or we look at this seven figure coaching business and we're looking at her step 20 and comparing it to our step two, or we're looking at, she's got all these resources and I've got to create all these free downloads and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. No, write down all the, all the resources, programs, activities, whatever you want to create, write them all down and then prioritize which ones you're going to create first. And then every single morning I write down, what are my three key focuses for that day? And that's what always keeps me grounded on working on the activities for today while planning for the future. So if there's, if you say, Danielle, will you create X, Y, Z for me? I'll look at my calendar and be like, absolutely. I can go ahead and work on that next Friday. How does that work for you? <laughs> um, you know, I don't, I don't set the pretense in my head that everything needs to be created today. Cause it's just not. Mm -hmm. That's good. Okay. So for example, mm -hmm. your list, your three focuses for today. What's your three focuses for today? 
Um, today was as simple as writing an email to <laughs> one of my clients about yeah. then we we have a leadership program. It's a six month leadership program. So I was writing them an email, simple mm-hmm. task, but it was just taking the time to do it. Um, let's see. I was revising a workbook and a free workbook that's downloadable. And then, um, oh, I was editing my book. So I had a few edits to make on my book. Those were the tip, top three. Gotcha. So anytime okay. my brain gets distracted, it always makes me go back to that list to make sure I'm focused. Yeah. But I would imagine that list, those are the top three priorities because of the return that doing those will have, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so what's the future impact of those activities? So yeah, all of those are going to be revenue generating activities. So if there are, so there's revenue generating activities for your business, and then there's nice to haves, and then there's delegating, right? So as my business has grown, I've brought on a virtual assistant team that, so they, I've now delegated them editing my podcast and them editing some of my social media graphics. They do that because it frees up more time for me to serve my clients Um, so it's either I'm going to do it now, I'm going to schedule time for it, or I'm going to delegate it. Mm, I like those. Do it now, schedule time for it or delegate it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Those are three good categories to define stuff in, because a lot of times I know I'm guilty of this all the time as an overachiever. Naturally, I make a long to-do list for the day, even though cognitively I have taught against this and I Mm -hmm. still I don't listen to my own advice often. And so I make this list and I'm like, I am going to get it done. And then when there's four things left on the list that I didn't get done for the day, I feel like, how did you not do that? I feel disappointment. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I were to schedule, so it's going to either be done now today, this will be scheduled for later, or I can delegate. That is a beautiful way to say it's still getting done in my head. Mm-hmm. There's just a place for it. So I did like that. A hundred percent. Yeah. When you think about my, when I look at my next month and there are specific timelines that are due for different projects that I'm working on, I will look at, okay, well, and, and it's funny too, because we tend to lead, there's this book called eat the frog. And the whole philosophy behind the book is do the activity that you want to do least first, mm-hmm. get that out of the way. And so a lot of times we'll write a to-do list and we'll pick and choose the ones we want to do because we we want to do them versus the other ones that we don't want to do, but maybe need to do. So instead I look at my, your, yes, you get this. I do. <laughs> instead, I'll look at my calendar at the next month and say, okay, these are the five projects that I'm, I'm working on now. When is each one due? And I'll I will prioritize which one depending on the timeline. And unless it exists on my calendar, it's probably not going to get done. That's why I put it on my calendar as I'm dedicating this particular hour, two hours to doing that particular task. Okay. So now I can see how you have written a book, started a podcast and began a consulting business. Okay. So I'm curious really quickly um, to go a little bit back about what we were talking about with your virtual assistants. You mentioned you, they edit your podcast. They may do your social media editing. I think sometimes people wonder what else would I have them do? Mm. Um, and so can you talk just really quickly about what else that team does for you? And then because it frees up your time, what you're spending that time now doing. 
I think it really depends on the VA team, the virtual assistant team. I've happened to find an amazing one that was referred to me, but sometimes, and, and they're great because each quarter we have a call and we talk about what projects I'm working on. And then they'll say, okay, well, these are specific projects that we can help you with. Is that something that, that you want? Mm. So I will, one of the, one of the, they do all my podcast editing I write the show notes, all the written for anything that's written, I will always write. So they write the, I write the show notes, but they do the editing. They create the social media graphics based off of the templates. If there's a workbook that I'm working on, maybe I will put all of the concepts in it and the written uh, guidance through the workbook, but they'll actually create the design element of it. They'll make it look pretty. Mm -hmm. That's what they'll do. Um, sometimes they'll do editing for videos. So if I'm going to do a YouTube video, they'll do some of the editing for that. They did some editing on my speaker reel. They do, gosh, I'm trying to think of all the things. Oh, they schedule all my social media content for Instagram and Facebook. So I will have all they'll, they will create the social media graphics. I will write the captions and then they schedule it through a program called later. So they schedule that all. And it's just, and what that does is it frees up time for me to focus on working on my business, not in my business. Mm -hmm. And it helps me focus more time on serving my clients. Mm -hmm. People hear that working on your business, not in your business. Can you define what that means? Yeah. Working in our business is getting caught up in the minutia of just the little details which are, it's good to be in the details, but if there is specific, you get to look at your return on investment of time and find out what is your hourly that you make. And does it make sense for you to be doing it task for your hourly rate or to delegate it? Now, anything that's written, I want it in my voice. So yes, can I pay for someone to write a blog or an article in some of the magazines that I've been writing for, can I pay for somebody to do that? Absolutely. There's, you can find people on Fiverr, but I want the word to be from my voice. That's, that's the, my brand, but tasks like creating social media graphics and editing workbooks that somebody else can do that. And when I look at my return on investment of time, that makes more sense. Mm, okay. Somebody will hear return of investment on time your hourly rate versus what you may pay somebody else. But new coaches and maybe even established coaches who are still working to get a consistent flow, Danielle, how would they figure out their hourly pay based on their business? Okay, this is one that I struggled with a lot in the beginning because I was like, if I'm not making money, I'm not spending money. <laughs> I'm not investing in a team or I'm not investing. And then I've learned from experience. For example, my first website, I designed and created myself. Now, I'm not a website designer. I don't know code. Yes, there's amazing. I use Squarespace and I created this website and it worked. But the amount of time that I spent to learn how to create a website and to make it look somewhat okay versus when I finally made the investment and had somebody else do it. And it was a big investment. It was a few thousand dollars when I first started Oh, it was so worth it though, because what they were able to create was 
the design was way better than what I created. It, the functionality behind it was better. And I was spending hours trying to create something that they already knew how to do. And because they were able to focus on that, I was able to focus more on the revenue generating activities, outreach, building relationships, networking. Sometimes you can't necessarily put a price on it, but you get to think about where are you, like what activities are you doing to bring the clients in? Yeah. And that's a, that's a great delineation because often people, we feel like if we're just doing something, then we are working in our business. But this is when you own a business, it's not a job where as long as you spend some amount of time, certain amount of time, you'll get a paycheck. Eventually, if you don't do anything with that time, then they will no longer give you a paycheck. But most people are doing something, but you're just, you know, I just need to make sure I got my 40 hours in and you get it. But in business, you can spend 120 hours doing something. And if it's not a revenue income producing activity, you will make nothing. Yeah. So, but you can. Yeah, Go ahead. our perfection, our perfectionism. I don't know about you, but my perfectionism, I'm a recovering perfectionist. It's an, it's a daily overcoming working through, but I can work on a workbook for a full week, eight hours, perfecting every little thing versus focusing that time on, on outreach and working on the business. Yeah. You mentioned outreach. And so Danielle, I'm curious because as you were sharing how you started your business, that your recruiter said, you need to start it, but you were really engaged on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And you, and you talked a little bit about what you were posting and that type of thing, but how were you able to close people to become customers? And it may be because they were asking you, right. And how did you figure out your pricing? So one advice I would give to listeners is Find out where your customers, your clients are and master one platform. What I've learned through my business is I've tried to be on TikTok and Twitter and LinkedIn, and Instagram and Facebook. And yes, I am on all of them, but I spend majority of the time and effort and energy and the style of writing and captions that I do is for the platform that my clients are on, which is LinkedIn. So yes, I built a platform and I went from 2000 to 25,000 in two years in my community. But oh, no, ma'am, hold on. I'm sorry. I usually don't interrupt thought processes, but, and if you need help getting back to that, I will get you back. But two to 25,000 in what community? In, on LinkedIn. Okay. Let's also, let's dig a little deeper. Did you start a group and you have that or you're talking about connections and followers? Okay. So I'm glad you asked this question because a lot of, I refer to, I refer to followers as a community because followers are people just follow somebody. And yes, I guess that means that you are an, you, a lot of people don't want to use the word influencer, but you're an influential leader. People are following you because there's something that you're doing that people want to follow. But I say a community because I nurture the community. I not just post on there. I actually comment and engage in conversations on other people's posts. And I ask questions and respond to people that message me. Um, so that's when I say it's, I refer to people as a community more than just followers. Uh, 
okay, now we can go back. Cause I think if I, if I answered your question on that one. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. So, um, so how I started doing it was I, at first I was just starting to post inspirational quotes and then I started to create my own content on Canva and started to post it and then offer advice, you know, how to find a job, how to build your personal brand, how to bounce back after setbacks, how to manage time, how to prevent burnout, how to develop grit and resilience, um, how to develop the courage to go out, go for the promotion that you want or to start a business. And people just started to gravitate towards the posts that I was doing. And what I found was people were wanting to reach out to me and saying, I really like what you're putting out there. And I just feel lost right now. And I want clarity. And we would talk about, okay, well, what are your goals? Like, what do you, where do you see yourself right now? What's holding you back from going after what you want? And through those conversations, then they would end up wanting to work together. Um, but I didn't do any advertising. I guess I was just through posting. <laughs> That's amazing. I know and... it sounds, I don't want it to sound simple and easy because it hasn't been an easy journey, but that's how it started. Well, I like it because it is simple, but as you've talked about, it takes the commitment and the resilience to continue to do so. Right. So I'm curious about that because I think LinkedIn is, <laughs> again, it's from my perspective, it's becoming more popular, maybe it's just because it's on my radar, but okay, you're shaking your head. So yes. Mm -hmm. um, and the people are starting to utilize it much more. I heard a statistic that only 4% of people on LinkedIn actually post. Mm -hmm. And so it's wide open for people to still be able to build community. Um, and also, now this was very old information, but I was actually talking to a social media coach yesterday or the day before, and she said that um, approximately 90 something high nineties of the percentage of the content shared is, or you see on LinkedIn is reshared. So if you're posting, you're already putting yourself in a unique category. And then because most people just reshare on LinkedIn, you have a good opportunity for additional people to see okay. your content, which is really cool. Okay. So I want to know the, the I'm going to dig into a little bit of these details here with yeah. you, Danielle, what you did. So how often were you posting when you started originally? Okay. So let's get into the details of LinkedIn and kind okay. of get a foundation on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn has, there's a link that you can look at. It's called your social selling index. The social selling index on LinkedIn is how LinkedIn measures your brand and it measures your brands on four categories. I'm trying to remember what they are. But it's built, do you have a, a comprehensive profile? Are you engaging in meaningful conversations? Are you connected to people in your network? There's four categories of them. But it's your social selling index. So I have taken a lot of LinkedIn courses and I post about three times per week. I post during the week. Uh, I would say Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I guess sometimes I post more than three days a week and then Sundays. Mm -hmm. What I've learned is be consistent, include relevant hashtags to expand your reach and test different content. So I have, I analyze each of my posts and I look at, well, why did this post get more engagement than this post? What are people commenting on each post? 
So a lot of times it's not a matter of just throwing content out there and seeing what sticks. You've got to take a step back and analyze what's working, what's not working. And that comes back from my sales background too. When I was looking at sales, I would always, when I would walk out of a meeting with a customer and maybe I got the deal or I had a business meeting, I would say, well, what worked about that particular business meeting? What didn't work? And what am I going to do differently? And you take that same approach when you're posting content. Um, so I will look at, was it the time that I posted? Was it the image graphic that I use? Was it possibly the caption that I use? Was it the hashtags that I use? Um, and I'll play around with it. Sometimes I'll use the same caption that I included in the post that maybe I'll change the graphic. Maybe I'll change the day. I'll change the time. There's a tool called Shield Shield Analytics, which uh, can, it measures your success or it measures your posts on LinkedIn and the engagement, how many views and how many comments it has. Um, and so I'll analyze all of my posts and kind of see what sticks and what doesn't. That is super helpful. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's very interesting that LinkedIn can be such a powerful engine and it is the only platform I know where you do not have to post every day. It's actually mm -hmm. probably better that you do not post every day. Whereas many people are working overtime, myself included, to post two to three times on Instagram or at least once on Facebook, three to four times a week on LinkedIn. This yeah. sounds heavenly. It is. Because again, that's when it goes back to mastering one, because I was doing the same thing. I was posting on LinkedIn and then I was trying to post multiple times a day on Instagram and it was feeling so overwhelming. So I create my content for LinkedIn because that's where my audience is and I repurpose it for the other platforms. But where the way the algorithms work on LinkedIn is once you post, it's called the golden hour. You want to get comments within the first hour because what LinkedIn says is if you're engaging and if you're receiving comments within the first hour and you're responding back to those comments, it's, it, it appears as though that's a good post. And we want to take that really good post that's already getting engagement and show it to others. And if you then immediately post right after that, then it's going to take that post that you did and that's getting good engagement and it's going to put it down and it's going to lower the algorithms on it. So that's why you don't want to post every single day. You want to post a couple times a week and allow each of your posts to gain some traction. Such good information. As you were talking, I've heard someone say, warm up the algorithm. So before you post, go on and, mm -hmm. and engage with people. So comment, maybe answer DMs, but you're, you're engaging so that hopefully people will start engaging with you so that when your posts drop, then there's more of an opportunity for them to engage with that. Yeah. So every time, if you were to post a, if you were to create a post on LinkedIn and I engage and I add a comment to your post, your post is now showing up on anybody that follows me on their newsfeed because my community is seeing that uh, my community is seeing that I'm engaging in your post and maybe they might want to follow you. Mm. So it benefits you when I comment because now your post is being seen by my community. But the whole goal of LinkedIn is it, it's a networking platform 
And they want people to engage in meaningful conversations. So if you're just out there posting, but you're not actually nurturing the relationships, LinkedIn is just going to see you as somebody that's just kind of like sales pitching all the time. No, mm -hmm. they, they want to see you engaging in conversations. So there's actually people that have, have increased their following by not even posting, but just by commenting on other people's posts. Oh, Danielle, you drop in some tea. That's good stuff. Okay. I like it. Okay. So then I'm curious now in your business, um, do you spend as much time on LinkedIn? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't do any advertising. So my community is on LinkedIn. So I will spend, I'll spend one day a month where I will create my content for the month and I'll schedule it out. Now I will say I write every single day. So I may write something today and I'll kind of create the framework for a post and then I'll put it in a folder. And then one day a month, I organize it all and make it, you know, all pretty and, and formatted correctly, but I write every single day. Uh, but yes, I mean, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn probably for the first hour of my day each day. And I will post, I'll respond to people's comments on my post. I will comment on other people's posts, engaging in those conversations. Um, and, and again, it's about nurturing the relationship It's a networking platform. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I was going to ask about how much time do you spend if you are, and I'm sure people are wondering, cause I know I'm wondering You've talked about you post, you talked about you engage. Did you ever reach out and did you have a strategy for creating new connections or establishing new connections to help you grow your audience as well? Yes. Yeah, so I, and that's a lot of times when I'm teaching people how to develop their professional brand on LinkedIn, I teach them how to identify. So if somebody's starting a business, then I'll teach them how to identify the people that potentially could be their clients and how to start connecting with them. And there's different ways that you write connection requests. So you don't, I don't like sales pitchy. I don't know um, how to start building relationships with them. If there's somebody that's looking for a job, then I teach them how to connect with the hiring managers and the decision makers of the companies that they want to work for, or if it's, they want to, or their recruiters. So again, there's, there's four different components that LinkedIn looks at. It's not only, are you posting, are you commenting, are you connecting with the right people and how is your overall brand presence on LinkedIn? Okay. So you now teach this to people. I do. I teach it to not only the people that are looking. So I have some clients who are, I want to advance my career. Maybe they want to get promoted into a new role. Maybe they want to get a new job. It's important that they develop their professional brand on LinkedIn because that's going to open up the doors for more opportunities. And then I also have clients who have left corporate. They've started a business, but they recognize that the type of people that they want to work with. So I have one client. She helps professionals speak up and speak out. So whether they're doing presentations or whether they're having a hard time kind of finding their voice in their, in their company, she teaches them how to do that. And that, so her clients are going to be working professionals. They're going to be on, and they're going to be on LinkedIn. So that's the platform that she's primarily on right now. Mm, okay. So 
when it comes to people connecting, figuring out who to connect with, can you give a tip or two about how people can make sure that they are being strategic in Mm. how they're finding the people that they need to connect with and then connecting with them? Have you always dreamed of doing voiceover from home but have no idea how to get started? My name's Jesse Carroll and I put together the perfect course for you. It's called the Voiceover Jumpstart Course. It's a course that's designed to take you from knowing absolutely nothing about voiceover all the way to everything you need to know to be a working professional in only six weeks. So if you want more information, head over to jessicarrollcoaching.com and you can even book a one-on-one call with me if you want to find out if it's right for you. So thanks for listening to the Coach Up Podcast and hope to see you in the course. Yes. So I would say first identify the type of people you want to work with. That would be first and foremost. Where are the type of people? And there's different... There's different filter settings. It's kind of hard to explain through it. I mean, this is like a, I spend a whole hour with somebody on creating customized links and and teaching them how to do it and the connection requests, but there are different filters within LinkedIn. So once you know the type of people that you want to work with, um, then there's different filters that you can use within LinkedIn to search those individuals and start creating those connections. Is that through Sales Navigator, which you have to pay for, or is that Uh -uh. the free platform? No, I don't use Sales Navigator. I've heard good things about it, but I particularly don't use it. Oh my goodness. You guys, she built a community of 25,000 and didn't even use Sales Navigator. I love it. (laughs) So the social selling index then is available to everybody. Yeah. Anybody can go for that. Yeah. I'll send you the link. So if you want to include that for everybody, it's called social selling index. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Danielle, you are just giving so much good details right now. And for those of you that want to look at your social selling index, so you want to have a score of 70 or above is the goal with a social selling index. So it's a 70 or above, but keep that in mind. If you're looking at your social selling index at the top, there's going to be a percentage and that's how do you rank within, what is it? Your network and then your industry, if you see a difference in percentages. So for example, if I... For example, when I look at my social selling index, let's say in my network, I may be rated the top 1% in my network with the highest social selling index based off of the 25,000. Now, I am also connected with several of the LinkedIn thought leaders that have 500 plus uh, following. So that may, I may show up differently on my, on my industry versus my network, depending on who I'm connected to, that percentage might be down a little bit. Maybe I'm 1% in my, in my industry, but maybe I'm 2% in my network, just based off of the people that I'm connected with. Um, so if you see a difference, that could be why when you're looking at yours. Okay. Thank you for that. Especially <laughs> the score, right? Yeah. The yeah. Again, this is like a whole hour that I go into with my clients. I'm really trying to give you guys the bullet points. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and I'm curious, where did you do your research? Is it through LinkedIn that you actually did it? Or was there another platform you used to learn? I have taken several LinkedIn learning courses. So if you're part of LinkedIn premium, there's a lot of LinkedIn learning courses that you can take on there. Uh, so I've I've probably taken 50, 100. I don't even know how many courses on there that I've taken on LinkedIn. Plus I've actually, there's uh, I'm part of the National Speaker Association And we have an expert from LinkedIn come in and speak on LinkedIn, the new algorithms, the strategies, all of that. So I I do that every year. 
Um, and then I analyze my own, right? So you can, LinkedIn can teach you everything and you can have, you can know the right hashtag strategy. You can know the right posting strategy. You can know the algorithms, but if you're not putting out good content, it's not going to matter. So I also have learned from my own content of what resonates and what doesn't resonate. I had a post the other day that had a hundred thousand views. And then I had a post a couple of weeks ago that had 500 views. So I analyze them all. And you know, I love, thank you for sharing that because I love it when who individuals that we think, oh my goodness, they've got it all together still have those moments where, okay, yes, I put out a post and I got 500 views. Like that is normal. It does happen. Everything does is not happen. a golden ticket. I love it. Okay. I, and I, I love the fact that you talked about like study your platform, master one platform, because in the mastering, what you did is you studied it. You didn't just say, I'm just going to be on one. No, you actually learned how the platform worked and then you applied it. And again, 25,000 people later, which seems humongous on LinkedIn. Um, like you hear about 300,000 people on Instagram, but I don't know that I've ever seen anybody at 25,000 on LinkedIn. Maybe I just don't follow the right people, but I'm going to be following you, Danielle. So, well, know that when you follow me and you comment on my post, you're now having those 25,000 people fall, see your comments. There you go. I love it. Yep. I love it. Okay. Um, so really quickly, I want to get into your speaking and then a little bit of consulting, but just two really other quick questions. Um, one, we had started, I started a question about pricing and when you originally had, were getting people who are interested in, in helping you do a variety, helping, having you help them do a variety of things when you were first getting started. Did your pricing that you charge people come from your sales background or did you research or did you say, what are you willing to pay me? How did you figure that out? Oh, wow. I look back at my pricing when I first started and man, I was like, man, I was a steal. Uh <laughs> <laughs> that's usually the case. Yeah. Cause when I first started, I was like, who am I to call myself a career coach? Cause that's what I did initially. I was career coaching and I put together packages and it took me some time to realize, well, wait a minute, why would I even second guess myself? I've got 15 years in corporate. I've got seven years as a hiring manager for a Fortune 500 company. I have more experience than most of the career coaches out there because most of them are recruiters, but they haven't built teams. So I've worked with a lot of recruiters over the years, but they don't always know how to build a team. And that's a different, that's a different skill set. So, um, I would say that I did some research. I looked at what other people were charging. I looked at the type of people that I would be working with and also kind of what they could afford based off of their income. And, and I know that there's some people that can't afford me and that's okay. Um, cause there's a particular type of people that I do work with. Typically they're five to 10 years in their career. They're typically making six figures in salary, typically in sales is their background, um, and, and the way that I look at it too, when it comes to pricing is, is the value, where can you add a lot of value? So it's not just the time with me, there's programs that they have access to. Um, but when you look at, when somebody comes and says, when I, when they come to purchase a consulting package with me, typically what they get out of it is more than what they'll pay. So because I help them in negotiating their salary, 
I will tend to negotiate more than what they've ever invested on me. Mm-hmm. So there's an immediate R. Number one, you're getting a job. If you're looking for a job, you're going to get a job without having to um, spend six months trying. I had one client who spent six months trying to get a job. She was on tears and tears by the time she got to me. And after working with each other, she got a job in one month. So can you really put a, you can, sure you put a price on it, but that in itself was relief for her. Then there's other clients where we've done sales coaching. We worked with each other over a six month period and she'd been with her company for five years. She'd never earned president's club, which is the top, top award. And after six months of working with each other, she did. And not only did she earn president's club, she got a big bonus because of it. She went on a president's trip. She ended up getting a promotion and an increase in her salary. So the ROI for her was superseded what she spent with me. And that's what I want it to be. Yeah, no, that is good. Like you said, the value that you return very quickly. Um, I think that's what coaches have to be able to know confidently that you can deliver. Um, for a client. As long as the client is willing to do the work, I can yep. definitely give you these results. So that's really good. You you talked about your, you know, some people can afford you, some people could not. Who is your client, Danielle? Like and yeah. Typically, typically my client has, like I said, been in their career for about 10 years. They either it's kind of one of three categories. Either they want to find a new job or get promoted. That's one category. Either they are in sales and they want to, they want to, um, you know, earn president's club or they've been in corporate, they've been successful, but they know they're meant for more, but they're just, they just, they want to do something. And I help them find out what it is, find out what they're great at and turn it into an impactful and profitable business. So that's also another element too of creating a business that you love, that delivers impact, that's profitable, that you enjoy doing. And how can you how can you take the steps that work and avoid the steps that don't? Because there's a lot of people that you can get easily lost in trying to start a business on your own versus make the investment right from the beginning. And I know this is sometimes hard to hear, but Sometimes we're like, I'm not going to spend money until I make money. No. When you're starting a business, invest in somebody who's been there, who's done that, who's had the success and can guide you on what steps to take and what to avoid and get to the results that you want faster. I've never been in my business where I haven't had a coach. I still have a coach. I actually have three, but (laughs) depending on which area of my business, I'm wanting to become an expert in. Yeah. And I hear that from, I'm pretty sure I've heard that from every single coach who's been on the flat, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Coaches, good coaches have a coach um, because one of the, one of the coaches said it so well, you're either going to pay in time or in money for the growth of your business. Mm-hmm. Either you're going to try to do it on your own and it's going to take you a lot of time. So eventually you'll figure it out, but seven years down the road, you will have invested a lot of time or you can invest the money and cut out the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that that's definitely necessary. I am curious how you decided that you were, or how you figured out that your clients were on LinkedIn as opposed to anywhere else. Hmm. 
because that's where I get the most DMs. That would be one way. That's as simple as it gets, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I would say two, two ways actually. One is, uh, that's where I get the most DMs. So people reach out to me and say, I saw this post. Do you do this? Yes. They schedule a call with me. Another one is, is I do have free downloads. So I have a free crush your quota workbook, a goal setting workbook, a career accelerator workbook. And I do have those can be accessed either. You can download them. The link is available on LinkedIn or it's on Instagram or it's on my podcast show notes. And you can create bit.ly links so you can track where somebody, so I have a bit.ly link for LinkedIn. So if somebody clicks that link and they download a resource, I know that they did it from LinkedIn or through Instagram or through Facebook or through my podcast. Again, it's all about, you got to analyze your business. You got to analyze what's work and what's not working. Spend the time on what's working and either delegate or don't do anything that's not working anymore. Let it go. Period. Okay. Yeah. All right, Danielle. Oh my goodness. Time always runs out on me because I, I always have such so many questions and you all, you're so gracious in what you've already shared. Thank you so much for the detail you shared on LinkedIn. Oh my goodness. It's just not information that has been shared on this platform before. So I know those listening are going to get a lot of value out of it. I want to talk a little bit about your coaching. I'm sorry, your speaking, your speaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when did you start speaking and when did you decide that that's what you wanted to do? And then how did you get people to say, yes, Danielle, we would like you to come and speak. Well, I've been in sales since I was 16 years old. So I would say I've been paid to speak since I was 16 because I've always been in sales. (laughs) Uh, However, the money comes from a different source now. So instead of coming from my salary working at corporate where I've spoken in front of 1,500 of my peers on a big stage, now I'm still speaking for 1,500 people. It's just coming from a different source. So that's, I've been doing it for about two years. Uh, And the types of speaking engagements that that I speak in is burnout prevention, how to, pro- how to identify the seven signs of emotional burnout, the four triggers that cause burnout and how to prevent and overcome burnout. That's one of them. Then I talk about how to harness the grit and resilience, whether it's in your business or in sales, and then how to lead teams through change. Mm, okay. So do you speak at for businesses at conferences, combination of both? Both. Yeah. So I have a company, some companies will bring me in and I'll do, I I have, I have like a six month leadership program. So I go in there once a month and I, and I do an actual program that I've built out. And then other times I'll coming in for a keynote and it's just one to two hours, or sometimes it's coming in for a keynote and then I'll do workshops the next day or the, or the, at the end of the day. Gotcha. Do you have somebody who's booking these for you, Danielle? Are you finding these opportunities yourself? Opportunities myself. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? <laughs> um, I think it's, it, it, it's through networking. It's through people. If you put yourself out there enough, people will find you. So it's either people have heard me on other podcasts, either people have read my posts and have wanted to set up a call with me, or they've known my background. Maybe they've worked with me in the past over the years. 
if you if you build an, a, a good uh, a professional personal brand based off of integrity and your values, then you will attract the right people. There's nothing better, more powerful than the power of relationship in the earth, mm-hmm. right? And so um, truly everything that we do is created and done through relationships. So to your point, operate with integrity, share things that are helpful to people. Mm-hmm. We'll find you and people want to connect with you. And that's where opportunities come from. Mm-hmm. Okay. All righty. My last question before we go to the quick fire round, before you go questioning, um, you also do consulting, which I think is interesting because you do not call it coaching. Danielle, what's the difference? I think that coach can sometimes these days be a little watered down. Um, just kind of the, the coaching world, I guess, per se. There's there's really not much differences between consulting and coaching, but with consulting, it's, I will, instead of just providing just guidance, I help my clients. I ask thought provoking questions that help them identify what they want and lead them down the path to where they want to go while offering advice and expertise. And from that, I think that there's a lot of people out there who say, I do X, Y, Z coaching, but where's the background to support that? Where's the experience and expertise to really support that? Um, And that's kind of where I feel like the coaching world has gotten a little watered down over the years. I mean, Hey, more power to you if you've set up a successful business and that's awesome. But I want to know that the the credentials are there behind it. Yeah. I was just um, talking to another coach about credentials or non-credentials when it comes to coaching. Right. So um, she's a credential coach. She's part of a professional organization. She's mm-hmm. gone through tons of training. And then there are other coaches who are, again, running successful businesses and mm-hmm. don't have any of that. And so how does that impact business? Does it impact business? And again, to your point, you know, as a client, someone who's looking for a coach, do I need to say, what experience do you have or what knowledge do you have that supports what you're teaching me to do? So I think you bring up a really interesting point. Yeah. And I think that's for anybody to determine you guys, you know, when you're looking to invest in a coach consultant, you get to determine what's right for you. I, I do believe that it's easy to get caught up too in the credentials. I remember when I first started my business, I was like, I need to have this credential and this credential and this credential. And then I'm going, wait a minute. I have seven years working for a fortune. It's now, it's now become a fortune 100 company. The amount of training that I took at that organization. I mean, you, any, any training that you can find in corporate, I've been exposed to it. I've been through it because I was very fortunate to work for a company that had the resources to do it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a very wide range and it's also personal experience. You can, you can go and teach sales techniques, but have you, have you been there on the pavement doing it for 15 years? That's what I also want to see is that, have you been there and done it? Mm, Yeah. And I think to go to how you grew so quickly, your community that comes through when you are sharing information, when you are posting content, 
that experience, that knowledge, that wisdom, that application comes through and people can really sense, oh, okay, yes, she knows what she's talking about. Yeah, that's because a lot of times I talk about here's where I failed and here's what I learned and this is what I would do differently. <laughs> so they know <sighs> firsthand I've been there because I talk about my failures. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great tip. Thank you. Yeah, I don't think on social media, rarely, sometimes, but rarely do you see people talk about, oh, this is where I completely messed it up. Mm-hmm. But that is what really resonates with people. Uh, and so that's an excellent tip. Okay, Ms. Danielle. Yes. We're going to segue to the before you go, quick fire round of questions. Okay. Are you ready? I hope so. Hold okay. on, let me take a sip of my energy drink here. That should be named Toddler. It should be named Toddler. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Okay. Danielle, what is one tool or app you would not do business without right now? Squarespace. Okay. Is that for website? Or... It's for my website. Okay. Ooh, Your wait. website is mm-hmm. that important? Yes, but here's why. Okay. Because Squarespace is how I do all of my scheduling, how I do all of my email campaigns, how I take payment all in one. So I would say Squarespace and ChatGPT. Those are my two. Tell me how you use ChatGPT. Oh, I should have led with this one. So ChatGPT, think about it as your... Social media manager, your assistant, your researcher, all in one. So I will, the other day I was doing a podcast and I said, be a copywriter and write a podcast episode title, period. And then I'll write the description of the podcast and then it will spit out a couple different episode titles. Or I would say, "Mm mm-hmm. When I was writing my book, I said, be a researcher and find 10 clinical studies on how hydration affects, uh, affects mental clarity and focus. So I was doing some research on the importance of hydration and helping with, with, uh, burnout prevention. And so I said, be a researcher and find 10 clinical studies. And so it popped out 10 clinical studies. I went to each one of them, found the one that I wanted, the resource that I wanted all there. How about emails? You can say rewrite period, and then write the email that you want to write and then hit generate and it makes it all pretty. No, ma'am. Yeah. I use it every day. That is amazing. Do you use the paid version or the free version? Free version. Doing all this with the free version. I use, yep. So I use ChatGPT, Jasper and WordTune and Grammarly for all of my writing. What's okay. What are those three for people who don't know? <laughs> okay. Uh, Jasper is kind of like chat GPT, but you have different templates. So maybe you write an email or you write a description about a podcast episode. Let's say you can do content improver and it's going to just clean, it just cleans things up. It's my own original thought process, expertise, advice. All of my posts have stories in them that are from personal experience, but it just cleans it up for me. Um, Grammarly checks my grammar because, um, I have a lot of strengths. Grammar's not one of them. And word tune kind of helps like take a sentence and maybe you don't like the structure of a sentence. So you can do word tune and it gives you different options to change the structure of a sentence. 
Yes, Danielle. I probably have a list of a thousand tools that I use. I'm all about efficiency. So good. Oh my goodness. Okay. Thank you. You just dropped mm-hmm. four, um, five actually. Amazing. Okay. So we already talked about you use Squarespace to collect payment from your clients. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your most effective method for finding and securing new clients? We LinkedIn. Yep. yep. Okay. Um, what tool do you use to set up client meetings? So that would be through Squarespace. So Squarespace, I have a link that I can send people and it that automatically has access to my calendar. I have parameters on the back end where I can set parameters. So for example, when my kids were in VPK, I blocked my schedule between 12 and 1230 so that no one can schedule a time between 12 and 1230 so that I can always greet my kids at the door when they walked in. So you can set parameters on the back end. That's what I love about Squarespace. When did they start having vacation Bible school in the middle of the day? No, uh, it wasn't vacation Bible school. It was, uh, hold on, what was it? The voluntary pre-kindergarten? The PK. PK. Did I say VBS? No, I heard VBS. Okay, nope. I'm still learning all these acronyms. Our VBS just happens to be the week that my kids and I are going to California. So we'll be missing it this year. I'm bummed, but yeah. That's so good. Oh, okay. Oh, they have a pre-K. So, oh, yeah, that's Florida, cute. yeah, Florida has one year of like pre-kindergarten. Oh, for like two hours. Okay. Yeah, it's for a couple hours. So that's, that's nice. why 12 and 12.30, they'd come home. And it was important to me that I always wanted to greet them at the door. So I liked Squarespace because I can set parameters on when I will accept. And also you can set parameters on how many clients your or appointments you're willing to take that week as well. Oh, that's great. And buffer time. So maybe if you don't want to have appointments within 30 minutes of each other, there's lots of parameters you could put in there. As you said, all about efficiency. All about efficiency. Okay. Um, what is the one thing, Danielle, you attribute the most weight to in scaling your business to six figures? Always be in alignment with your vision. Always be in alignment with your vision. Know your core values because there's a lot of times that when you own a business, you're going to go through ebbs and flows of success and you're going to go through ebbs and flows of self-doubt. And whenever you're experiencing self-doubt, remember why you started the business in the first place. And yes, there's an avenue of owning a business and wanting to be successful and profitable, and that's, that's obviously important. You want to have a profitable business, but that's not my main motivator. My main motivator is making an impact. And when I do, when I do make an impact and when I do make a difference in people's lives and when people see the benefits of working with me, then they want to do it more and that will generate the revenue, but always be in alignment with your vision and always make sure it's coming from the place of wanting to make an impact. Excellent. Well put. Last question, including your podcast. So please make sure you tell us about that. Book or podcast you'd recommend as a must to consume? Ooh. Uh, hmm. I would say Harness Your Inner CEO by Becca Powers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed her book. It's a good book. And then my book that's coming out yeah. is Unstoppable Grit. Break through the seven roadblocks standing between you and achieving your goals. And then my podcast, which was formerly Dream Job with Danielle Cobo, 
is now unstoppable grit with Danielle Cobo. Love the symmetry and the branding. And mm-hmm. on your podcast, what do you talk about? I interview change makers, leaders, people that have overcome adversity and have leveled up and they've developed the grit to succeed. So if if there if somebody is like, I want to, I just went through a toxic work environment and I'm leaving corporate. How do I get through this and how do I develop the grit to keep going? It's stories like that. All stories with practical advice at the end. Excellent. Danielle, I have to say, this has been so good today and so helpful. I appreciate your time and your willingness to transparently share how you have built your business and just congratulations on all the success that you have built so quickly, it seems, but the day-to-day is never quick, right? Like the day-to-day doing what has to be done when you don't like want to do it. Like you said, eating the frog, doing those things that you don't want to do first, like that never seems quick. But when people such as myself are looking out, looking from the outside in, we say, oh my goodness, you've done it so quickly. But I really appreciate you sharing how you did it so that others can learn and pick up and say, okay, this is what she applied. I can do it too. And then work toward their results. So thank you so much for today. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I appreciate it. I enjoyed our conversation. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Coach Up Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with someone else, with another fellow entrepreneur, a friend who you know needs to hear this message. Also, if you've enjoyed listening to the Coach Up Podcast, be sure to subscribe so that you get notification every time a new episode comes out. And if you would be so kind as to make sure that you go follow me at The Connection Collaborator on Instagram or LinkedIn at LinkedIn forward slash Kanisha Hart, then I would be delighted to connect with you, hear from you, and hear your feedback on how the Coach Up Podcast is helping you in your business. Again, as always, thanks for being a part of the Coach Up Podcast. We will see you on the next episode.